Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. Uh, I guess we need to reintroduce ourselves. It's been a long time since we've put out an episode, so I am Brett Maddox, and we are joined by—I I won't say your very best friends anymore because I haven't talked to you in about a month and a half—but uh, um, Alan and Jim, how are y'all? Got how are you guys doing? Um, I'm doing great. Hey, who 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 are you? Guys, I'm Brett. Like, I'm Brett. I'm Brett. Okay. Hey, Brett. Yeah. Brett. This the this invite showed up on my calendar. Who are you, and what are we doing? Uh, that's right. But you showed yeah. up, so I appreciate that. <laughs> you hit the button. So, uh, that's oh awesome. yeah, it's good to be back with everybody. Yes, uh, I know that you y'all have a backlog of episodes you're catching up, so you might not even skip a beat on us. They, on this they probably don't even know they they we've taken a break. So, oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There's still so much my- quality content. They're still like on question seventy two on the uh, the whole revision of the catechism thing. So yeah. they haven't even gotten this yeah. far yet. Yeah, season two. What's yeah. season two? What are you talking season about? Season two. Season Woo. two. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of which, we are continuing. It's hard to believe. We feel like we've been doing this for a few years now, but we're continuing through the Faith Once Delivered document, also known as the TFOD, uh, put out by the John Wesley Institute uh, back in 2022. And uh, you can check this out at nextmethodism.org, and you can download it and read it along with us if you would like. And we have, for the last little bit, been talking about Revelation, not the book Revelation, but the concept, the theological uh, teaching of Revelation, how God reveals himself to uh, humanity, and and we have particularly been looking at Scripture. And so uh, today we're going we're gonna to look at tradition and how God reveals himself to us through, uh, through tradition, and so we'll be looking at paragraphs 102 through 108. And I will just tell y'all, if you're reading along with us, these are a little bit longer paragraphs, and so we're going to have some more lengthy uh, reading here, um, um, parts uh, for this episode. Um, so let's just dive right into all things all right. tradition, Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, ecumenical councils, all of that kind of stuff, and I'm going to turn it over Ooh. to Mr. Audible, Alan Kaysen. All right, all right, everybody, if you'll turn on your uh, fires and grab your blankets. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> grab a cup of hot cocoa. Yes. Uh, I will tell you all about tradition. <laughs> all right, we're going to do nice. one, paragraphs 102 through 104 um, as you uh, turn on your Kindles. Um, the Word of God in Scripture is further illumined for us by means of tradition, exemplified in the great ecumenical creeds, often spoken of as the deposit of faith. Tradition has been given by Christ to the world and has been preserved to the present and for every generation to come. This deposit is a precious gift. When energized by the power of the Holy Spirit, tradition reflects the light of God's word in many and beautiful ways. It contains ways of interpreting the word of God and faithful lenses for understanding and teaching. Tradition also provides applications of God's word in the life of the church through the customs and practices of the Christian community often long hallowed by time and experience. Paragraph 103, but we must be careful, for tradition, while a treasure, is not a dead or static thing. In this way, it is like the church itself, which has been likened to a mighty river that has its source in the high country of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the teaching of his apostles and first witnesses, and the life of the primitive Christian community in those first years itself rooted in God's covenant with Israel and the word of God through the prophets. That stream comes down through the long reach of, uh, long reach of history, 
sometimes a small channel that cuts deeply and at other times a vast flood that overflows the country around it, its course at times dividing and later reuniting, but always one and the same river. In paragraph 104, the same river imagery can be used for tradition, which has its origin in the same high country and reflects the living testimony and practice of the faithful over time and around the world down to us. Its very existence at all is a witness to the faithfulness of God, the continuing presence of the Holy Spirit among God's people, and the willing labors of God's servants in every age as they are filled with that spirit and experience God's grace afresh. Like a river in nature, this one has banks that uh, definite its course determined by the Holy Scripture and by the creeds and early councils of the church as faithful interpreters of the word. And like a physical river that picks up minerals and particles as it flows along its course, so the river of tradition also picks up matter from, from the times and places where it has been. Some of these additions, we might call them traditions with a little t, offer new taste and expressions to the great old flow and enhance our appreciation of it. Sadly, some admixtures prove to be unnecessary or even pollutants that though they may abide in the waters for a time, even a long time, must be and will be ultimately cleansed from its course by the same faithful Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot there, but uh, there's a, a lot there. Yeah, a lot there, man. Uh, but a lot of uh, a richness. Um, first of all, can I just take a p- p- uh, point of personal um, privilege here and just say, so I feel, thank you. I feel so vindicated hearing this imagery of the river. Um, I remember back when I was writing my ordination orders back when I was in the United Methodist Church, um, when we were talking about scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, the quadrilateral. I used river on my own. I didn't read it anywhere. It just was the analogy that I used of of a river. And I remember sitting in that interview committee, and they were like, "Uh, "This just is too complicated." Can we? You should have. You know, they were kind of getting on to me because it was. And I was like, "Now I'm vindicated." Thank you to the writers of the TFOD. I appreciate that. Thank you. You know what would have helped you in that moment is if you would have quoted a movie from the early 80s to support your case. <laughs> a River Runs I think through. that would have been helpful. That was a good movie, though. Yeah, A River Runs yeah. Through. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we grass and digress. Yeah. So um, there are... Uh, yeah. This, there's what, one of the things in the TFOD is it's artfully written as it describes these things. You have multiple um, images. You have the reflection of light. Yeah. Uh, in the first section, you have the river that comes through it. Um, so what do we, if we could sum up really briefly, like when we say tradition, what are we talking about and what are we not talking about? Yeah, for me, tradition would be the entire history of the church itself. Um, per, and um, I guess particularly uh, would be, um, with, especially when it comes to theological under undertones and 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 thinking and, and doing, would be those first what seven hundred years of the church, the when the ecumenical councils set forth the the basics of the Christian faith itself. But largely would be the 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 the, the scope of the Christian tradition or history itself. It's so interesting. We have, I don't know if it's my uh, particular vantage point on general society or this is how it is, or if I've just become an old person and every everything is crazy now. Um, we live in a very new fetished society mm-hmm. uh, where things are disposed of, old things are bad and out mm-hmm. of date. 
mm-hmm. need to be replaced with new things. I, for example, any of the Apple devices that I'm on mm-hmm. uh, are subject to that kind of outlook. When a new one comes out, a new iPhone, for example, comes out, the old one starts to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, the pull towards the new thing is, is pretty big. Um, I personally wait for a Verizon sale, but we'll go talk about I, that I, later. I resemble that analogy. Um, I do too. <laughs> I mean, how uh, many times is it, it something come out? Maybe it's not even an iPhone, but anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, I have the, the last model. There's really no benefit to upgrading, but I feel the urge to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Because it's yeah, I, I think it's I, I think you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a there's a there's a desire in the culture for that new is better, old is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it with people I, too. Well, true. Um, but I also think within the church, at least in our circles, I think there's a return to the old things. Right. I think there's there's a there's there's several renewal keeping with the river. There's several renewal streams happening. Um, right. Um, within the, the, the local church, within, um, denominations, so forth that are seeking a return to tradition and old mm-hmm. and not, not necessarily, um, you know, there, there are certain things where the practice can be new or, you know, the, 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 the model can be new, but you're really going back to something old. I don't know if that makes right. sense, but we're not talking about forms here. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Or even words here. We're talking about the core underlying revelation of the faith. And here's the deal. There should be comfort in the fact that none of us have to figure this out afresh in our lives, that there have been thousands of years of faithful lives, uh, handed down to us and all the fruit of that comes down uh from from christ to the apostles to us i even maybe brazenly said in front of the entire church it might have been a week or two weeks ago um in the church we should be suspicious of anything new and by that we're talking about belief and doctrine Mm -hmm. not not new carpet uh which Mm -hmm. you know i don't ever want to do that um, if, I mean, let me look, let me look at this in First John, um, in the very beginning of this section. John is writing, and he says, "Look, this is the, what we have heard and seen with our own eyes. This is what was from the beginning, um, and we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, and so it's this con- continuity of the revelation of Christ that gets richer over time, because then that comes out, and then a whole generation of people." learn to live it out in a context and wrestle with what it means and how it interfaces with the world around us in the mm-hmm. big picture. And that gets handed down. And so the faith is formed. The waters of that river are the same that have come through and four channels into the life that we live now. So what, what we're not talking about is everybody returned to uh, Latin. We're not talking about the return to the golden era of 1950s American Protestantism. We're not talking about even that you have to go high church old school uh, to do to live in the light of tradition. But what we're saying is that many, many things have been handed down to us that we don't want to discard about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
and all of the doctrines, beliefs, and practical life of the faith <clears throat> that is actually beautiful and enlivening and in mm-hmm. no way hindering. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's good. And um, there's two thoughts that I have on this. Um, the first is um, when we when we talk about tradition, we're not necessarily talking about um, practices, um, but I, but we are talking about practices. So I'll give an example for this. Um, historically, the church for I don't know two thousand years has practiced. Uh, celebrating the Eucharist at every Lord's Day. Um, that has been the, the, the life of the church, and its central focus has been the table for, for a long time. Sometime relatively recently, um, probably in the last 100, 150, 200 years, I don't know, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, um, there were certain traditions, uh, Christian traditions, that kind of moved away from that because uh, because it wasn't prudent, and, and what I mean by that is, let's take and we're in Wesley, we're Wesleyans. Back in the 1700s, during the Wesleyan movement, where you had circuit riders, elders, ordained elders, going from uh, church to church to church, uh, once a month, once every five weeks, or whatever. Um, they those communities would only celebrate the Eucharist once the elder was there to consecrate the elements. So, um, what was prudent in the moment ended up becoming after a couple of hundred years, tradition, practice. And so... Lowercase tradition. Yeah, lowercase tradition. That doesn't necessarily mean it's right or that it was... uh, It it adheres to anything of the old old ways or the ancient church. Uh, The ancient church has always celebrated communion every Lord's Day, at least every Lord's Day. And so, um, um, you know, this is this is the way we've always done it. Well, when you connect yourself to the larger tradition, big T of the church itself, that's not always the way we've done it. So we've got to be careful with our small T traditions, liking them to the historic church itself. Secondly, mm-hmm. um, in paragraph 102, at the end uh, of page thir- uh, 30, it says that... Um, uh, let's see. This deposit is a precious gift uh, when energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tradition reflects yes. the light of God's Word in many and beautiful ways. It contains ways of interpreting the Word of God and faithful lenses for understanding and teaching. So for me, the importance of tradition, the history of the church, the, uh, the, the, the history of interpretation of Scripture, upon whom the shoulders we stand on as interpreters of Scripture, um, helps us be able to see the new things that come out in the world around us and to be able to theologically begin to interpret what's going on and how to, how to uh, respond to those things and what to say about those things. For example, uh, you know, back in, um, back in 325 BC or in 381, I mean, 325 AD or 381 uh, AD, when the councils were starting to come together and formulate their creedal statements and, and these foundational beliefs, um, there's no way in the world they would have had any idea of what artificial intelligence was. That wouldn't have even mm-hmm. been in the, 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 not even in the vernacular. It wouldn't have even been in the stratosphere of thinking for, for them in that day. However, uh, uh, anthropology, humanity, a way of looking at people, 
people, a look, a way of looking at what is life and what is not life and what life is and dealing with all these things, what the life um, now means, what the life to come means, eternal life, all these type of things would have been central to a lot of discussions um, about issues of salvation, issues of what a soul, a spirit, all this stuff is. And so those teachings filter, they become a lens for us to be able to look at new things today, like how do we respond to artificial intelligence? How do we respond to the uh, the marvels of medical advancements? That um, how do we, how do we respond to the proliferation of assisted dying, which ex- right, which Iowa Crassley call assisted killing. Right. Um, how do we how do we deal with um, somebody? I was just reading an article about this today of a father of a twenty five year old a, a woman who um, she was declared brain dead and was brain dead, but the she was on machines, and so all he saw in his grief was her breathing, and so. The issues, of course, the ethical, medical ethical issues of what is life and when does life end and um, what is the legal definition of death and all of this kind of stuff. Well, we who stand on 2,000 years of biblical and theological reasoning and interpretation and all that, we already have lenses available to us for which to look at these things and to be able to approach them. That doesn't make them any easier, but it gives us a starting point. It gives us a, a, a place to begin that I don't think if people have those lenses on, um, they, that it, it, becomes a, it becomes a more difficult place to, to start from. Yeah, and you'll end up starting with the resources that are at your fingertips, which yes, are usually exactly. yes. um, the small perspectives that we have often run by uh, feelings and emotions, which yeah. are beautiful things. Yeah. Um, but when you when you swim in the stream of tradition, you're never alone. You're with thousands of years of sisters and brothers in the communion of saints, right? Um, who can speak and educate into the moment. That's right, and that becomes important, right? That becomes. I think I mean that 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 is how the I mean the Holy Spirit. If you read the the if you read Acts, right, it is the movement. Of the, the 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 spirit of God within the people of God, so that the people of God can move out and take the gospel outwards. Um, th- that's exactly right. The, the we the people, not to you know make some sort of oh, yeah, perfect <laughs> yeah, no. But we the people of God, um, we are part of this story, and so we're 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 part of all this, and so it's um, tradition becomes important in doing that. Um, you know. We, this wouldn't be a good Wesleyan podcast if we didn't talk about um, reason and experience and why uh, this section on Revelation is not going to deal with reason and experience. Um, and that, I mean, you know, Wesleyan quadrilateral, whether you're for it, whether you're against it, whether you have an understanding of it or don't have an understanding of it, um, you know, really what we're looking at here is that how God moves and, and reveals himself through scripture and through history, through tradition, through the people of God. By the way, if he reveals himself through tradition, there's also elements of experience and reason that part are part of that. So you're not doing away with reason. You're not doing away with experience. It just becomes, again, those become 
part it becomes part of the tradition part um yes yeah. well they they often come out of the experience and re- the experience not just what happened in my life and how i felt about it but the experience of this revelation working out in my life yeah so the tradition comes out of the reason and experience of many of those who have gone before that we then add to and are a part of yeah i would say as far as the quadrilateral goes um that if you're talking about revelation Scripture primarily, tradition secondarily, are ways in which revelation is brought to us. Yeah. Reason and experience are the ways in which we receive respond, and integrate receive and it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then one last thing I'm going to say about this, and I saw—I don't believe you. I saw Alan, well, at least for right now, Alan got tripped up, and I got tripped up, because, and I started looking at this as a I typo. wonder if this—if it was a typo, but this word definite. Um, it just it reads weird, right? In one hundred four, the banks that definite it. Uh, Are you sure it's not like define it? Well, so oh, no, definite, definite so here, works. So, so here is where I was going with this. So it could, all right. So fairly, it very well could be a typo that I am reading way too much into. So just no, no. Oh, this is this is how this is how good exegesis and tradition is born. There is yeah. a typo. We're going to build off of it. We're going to build go. on this. That's exactly right. But you know, <laughs> so definite doesn't mean indefinite. Like So indefinite would uh, have this idea that tradition ha- is boundless, right? That it, there are, there's nothing, there's no walls of tradition. There's no, there's no bounds. So think of theology. Theology, um, I, I, Steve Siemens from Asbury Seminary uh, taught us in our United Methodist uh, theology class. Um, he said, and I'm going to butcher this, but uh, he basically said, think of theology, good, orthodox, Christian, basic Christian doctrine, as a fence around a yard. Um, and it becomes the boundaries, basically. So he said, think, think about this. You bought a house. You were about bought a house right next to the interstate. You have a big yard in the back, uh, but it buttresses up right against the, um, the, the interstate. So you've got a fence out there to protect your children. Now, your kids can go, and they can play all the way up to the fence. They can maybe even climb the fence, but if they go over the fence, they're going to be in danger. And he said, that's what good Orthodox theology does for us, is it bounds us into safety. But if we go outside of that, then we enter into, into danger. And I think, perhaps, maybe this is the right word, tradition, theology, history, it is definite. There are, it shows that there are actual bounds, um, boundaries for us. So, again, it could it be a shows you the big old playground you get to play in, too. That's exactly right. There is a mighty river we get yeah. to swim in. So, boom. So... Or it could I be do a like typo. the um, I do like the <laughs> nod um, to the early church and what in our we're gonna have a later paragraph. Our last paragraph is gonna deal with Wesley's view on the early church um, mm-hmm. and how you know their their tradition or the. I'll just let me just read from paragraph one hundred three. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the teaching of the, um, so in this way, it's like the church itself, which has been likened to a mighty river that has its source in the high country of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the teaching of his apostles and first witnesses and the life of the primitive Christian community in those first years itself rooted in God's covenant with Israel and the word of God through the prophets. And so I think, I mean, the, essentially you could almost say their tradition goes all the way back to creation itself, which is what our which is a, we're we're part of the same 
tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and we, I just got finished doing study on the first fourteen chapters of Acts, mm-hmm. and man, how many times uh, Peter or Paul, or Stephen, how many times the apostles get up and they preach the word, mm-hmm. and they go all the way back. I mean, they go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, and so that's where they start. And the, but that's it's the lens with which they preach Christ to um, um, Jews who they want to convert or Gentiles who know nothing. Um, uh, so anyways, I just think it's, um, it's just a good reminder. Um, you know, especially like when you talk about um, folks wanting to maybe throw away tradition or parts of tradition, I think there's a movement, you know, like, Oh, we just need to read the new Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's all of it. It's all of it. It's mm-hmm. um, it's not just some of it. And, and the new Testament gets its meaning. Most of it from the old Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So that's awesome. All right. Let me let's keep pick, going. 105? Yeah. Let's do 105. Yeah. yeah. Let's do 105. Okay. All right. Thus again, there is a deep consistency across time and place, even while there is not sameness of expression or appearance everywhere and every win. I know. Right. Appearances mm-hmm. and characteristics can change across time and in various places. Some teaches some teachings and practices, though not essential to the river of tradition, enhance its taste and improve its flow for a time. And this too is in the gift of God. Others, though they appear pleasing for a time, must ultimately be dropped or cleared out. This too helps to account for how there are differences in emphasis or flow, and practice or appearance over time. It also accounts for the possibility of disagreement among those who are drawing from the same river but have varying perspectives. Yet we can recognize a much deeper continuity that blesses all, for the same Holy Spirit continues to energize the flow and to steer the river's mighty course as it makes its way across time and place. Tradition represents an important aspect of the faith and fellowship of the entire church. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit to unite us in fellowship with all who have ever lived in Christ and through our faithful practice with all who will ever live and love and trust in Jesus. Gosh, that's such a good last line. <laughs> well, and like, I love the like the gift of the Holy Spirit to unite us in yeah. fellowship. Yeah. And so you got all these denominations, right? And we're, we're in one and, you know, um, but I clearly, I, I know that this, you know, I know the Baptists down the street are preaching Jesus and I know the Nazarenes are preaching Jesus. And I know like, but we, we're, we're all in a different, um, they it's just like a, do it weird. Yeah, they just do it different, and they just do it different from a different perspective. And they're mm-hmm. they're a little they're a stream this way, and we're a stream on the other side. But mm-hmm. we're all flowing from the same river. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that, you know, that the idea that tradition is what unites us, even in our various yeah. streams. Yeah, that's so. Gosh, that's so good. Um. Um, with this is so uh, we've talked about this before, uh, but Jim, Jim was really instrumental in, in kind of changing my thinking um, on um, the saints themselves and whether or not it's appropriate to pray to saints or speak to saints or any of that kind of stuff. Look to saints for guidance on this. And this line, I mean, this is a, a, who have um, fellowship. We have we have fellowship. 
we're not going to have fellowship. We have fellowship with all the saints who have gone on before us, as well as the saints that live with us now. And we will have fellowship with all the saints who go on in our in the future. Like this is a um, this is a thing that is ongoing with us. So this has been actually a growing edge with me um, in in looking at um, uh, those who have gone on before us. Um, whose whom shoulder whose shoulders we stand upon, but it's more than just stand upon that that who root for us. I mean that great cloud of witnesses who actively root us on and push us forward and pray for us and intercede for us, and in 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 the presence of of God Almighty is a um, it's an awesome thing that's challenging my Protestant mind even today. The interesting thing is that. Um it might challenge your Protestant mind, but it's a certain modern brand of Protestantism that it would be challenged by it. Not necessarily. That's right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The early and mainline mainstream Protestantism, not mainline, but mainstream. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So yes, um, I will just, uh, let me just get a shout out for friends who, um, change your minds and, uh, be humble enough to admit when you're wrong. And, um, I, I can, I can admit that I'm wrong about once a year or so. So thank you, Jim. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I can't, but go you ahead. can't. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll have it's to hard to be, it's, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. That, well, that's true. I know. <laughs> It is. It is. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Gonna do? Uh, maybe we'll just go on to... Why don't we do the next two paragraphs, 106 and 107? Okay. I think they go right. together pretty good. All right, 106. We do not make this journey of faith alone or in isolation. It is a relay, and we are the present stage in that great race to fulfill the call and charge of God in Christ to make disciples of all nations. Others have been on this quest before us, guided by the Holy Spirit. They have... In times of strife from without and stress within, produce the great creeds, which set the truly broad bounds of faithful Christian conversation. The creeds are like a compass, which is not north, but points steadfastly to the north, so that we might not lose our way and wander off the path into danger and the confusion that often produces heresy. 107. Others on the road before us have passed along insights to guide, equip, warn, and help us. They are both men and women drawn from every place and people where the gospel message has been embraced. Among these, we can name the great fathers and mothers of the church who carried the faithful message after the apostolic era and formulated the great early statements of faith. We can point to late antiquity, the medieval era, and its counterpart in the East, the Byzantine Commonwealth. Beyond the Mediterranean world, we can point to the ancient Christian communities in India and Ethiopia and elsewhere. We can find this faith witnessed amongst the various reformations and the Renaissance and later in the great revivals and missionary enterprises, particularly the transatlantic evangelical revival that swept up the Wesley brothers and so many others in the spirit's wake. With each era comes great insights and new applications, all grounded in the same scripture and forming part of the long tradition as applied by the guidance of the Holy Spirit into the everyday experience of God's people. This experience properly properly understood is redeemed and made alive by grace and transforms lives and even communities and cultures. Mm. I, I love that. And um, I, I love the, the, the brief kind of, uh, I don't know, bouncing through history that, that, that paragraph takes us on. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> a Christian of 
the apostolic period or in the ancient period um, versus a Christian today, in many ways, they're going to look so different from each other. One wonders if they would even be able to recognize, you know, whether or not they are they are believers in the same God, believers in Jesus, the resurrection, and whatnot. And yet, there are some central practices that if that if that practice was being done, let's say sitting around a table and breaking a loaf of bread and 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 sharing a, a cup of juice or or wine and and saying this is the body of Christ, this is the blood of Christ. If those those kind of ancient practices would be very recognizable by those from the ancient world and in the modern world to the point where they may not have anything else in common, but they have that in common. Mm. And that's a big deal. It's common language. Yeah. Common, and, and you know what transcends even language and culture is common action. Yeah. Um, that would be recognizable even if words were not used. Right. Lifting a cup and breaking bread. Right. Right. Um, because, I mean, the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, the world of Polycarp and Ignatius and Irenaeus Irenaeus and um, Augustine um, is a world that is, not only is it foreign to us, it's alien to us. We we don't understand what that, you know, other than what we've read in history books, we don't actually understand what it was to live in. And if we transported, you know, if we transported Augustine to today, 2023, he'd be completely in utter just shock. Like a, that would like be everything. Brett and Augustine's excellent adventure. <laughs> wow! Well, I'd, that'd be amazing. But, but Brett knows I the movie have, reference. He I knows do. the movie yeah, reference. I do. Though. I do. Yeah. So I just had this image when we're talking about like new, you know, modern Christians and ancient Christians getting together. I just had this image of what Martin Luther would look like in skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Everything that comes into my brain must come out of my mouth. Well, I, it didn't have, it didn't, I'm just going to tell you, it didn't have to. It really doesn't it, it have really to. It, have it, to. Can, yeah. stay, it yeah. can stay locked in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, I, love, uh, um, I love what tradition does, and it's basically what, it's, what paragraph 106 says, is that we do not make this journey of faith alone or in isolation. And I think, especially in the Western world, we think we're the first ones. Like we, we somehow think like that um, we came up with it all, or that, um, um, or that it's all up to us, and that we're by ourselves. And really, well, you know, we right declared this, independence from all of it, didn't we? Well, tr- true. Um, it's kind of in the DNA of America, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's especially America. But um, it is tradition is a reminder that there are those that came before us. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and they have something that, to say. Like it, they yeah, still and they have said have it, so, and they've said it, but they still have something to say. Yes, to us today. And Absolutely. then the then the then the further um, talk about the creeds is goes back to your whole fence idea that um, the creeds are the sort of the borders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really you go you go too far this way or this way, then mm-hmm. you're outside the bounds right. of tradition and Orthodox right. Christianity. Right, and um, and so. Stay, you know, stay in the fence. Stay in the um, fence. That's where the safe. You go over is. there. You're in someone else's yard. Yeah. Gr- the grass yeah. is not always greener. No. Okay, people. Yeah, no. that's, that's true. It's dead, and actually, it's on fire. It's an eternal <laughs> fire. Don't go there. 
<laughs> come on, preacher. Come on. Come on. That'll wow. Preach. You like, spent a lot of time with the Baptist down the street that you were just <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah, just a lot of them. I don't know. Wesley. Wesley. Had, had uh, okay, Wesley, yeah. Wesley, Wesley's pretty fiery. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about this, too, because one way we could think about tradition, we talked about some really modern and cutting edge issues that we're going to be dealing with. There's more more changes happened in the past 30 years, maybe 60 years than has happened in, in hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it's rapid and goodness knows what it's I mean, doing. Culturally uh, or just in the church? In the world, technologically, the world. Gotcha. culturally, yeah, everywhere. Uh, who knows what it's done sociologically uh, to people? Um, but one of the things that tradition does is doesn't say, no, I resist all new things. What it says is, as I approach this matter, I have tools with which to work on it. And all of those have come from the, what has been handed down to me. It's like in my, in my shed, I have my grand, some of my grandpa's tools, which may have been some of his dad's tools, which were given to my dad and then given to me. Uh, screwdrivers and wrenches and hammers and things like that. And so when I go to work on a problem, if I go just on my own, I don't know how to take this thing apart and put it back together. Mm-hmm. I can go and get grandpa's tools mm-hmm. and I have the tools handed down for me to make sense of and to be able to mm-hmm. maneuver with this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about things like artificial intelligence and we're talking about things like uh, medical advances that call into question what are the ethics and morality of some of the choices we can now make. Right. We don't have to say, no, 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 no. It's all new. Can't do it. We can say, let's then bring to bear the tools right. that we've been given to work on this. Yeah. And by the way, from our um, Ju- Judeo uh, background as Christians, I mean, we got to remember so much. We're not, we're, we're not just New Testament believers. We are, we are, Ju- we are, we, we see the fullness of God's revelation from Genesis through Malachi as well. And it's part of the fullness of who, of who Christ is. And so that's one of the reasons why um, I'm always reminded. So uh, this idea of a great tradition, of being reminded all the time of passing on, this is not new to even Christians, by the way. This was picked up from great, great uh teachers and teachings from uh, the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. And, um, I mean, here, this is from Deuteronomy 6. I know this has been a thing, but... Here we this, go. Here's this from Deuteronomy 6, right? You get to the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. But then he says, it says, uh, and these words I command that uh, command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on your as a sign on your hand and on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. Um, and when the Lord brings you into the land that He swore to the fa- your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with great and good cities that you did not build, the houses full of all good things you did not fill, and cisterns you did not dig, olive vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you are eaten, you're full, and, and, and so on and so forth. He says that it is, the, it is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and his name you shall swear, and you shall not go after other gods. Uh, the Lord is in your midst. And, and he just keeps on saying, but it's, the whole point here is that you're, what, you'll see these things, you'll have these things, you'll receive these things, and then you're to teach them. You're to pass it along. You're to give it along. There's a, there's a command, really, for that that to do this to carry the tradition on and on and on and to pass it on because it's important it's important and um 
uh, is, uh, Paul says, and I can't necessarily remember which letter it was, but he says, um, "How will they hear if 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 we don't? If someone doesn't go, if right? How how will how will they hear of Christ if someone doesn't go to proclaim Christ? And so we're supposed to pass on this this beautiful, life giving, transformational, eternal tradition from generation to generation to generation, and all that we do." That's why I love Deuteronomy so much. I know. And for all of you with your Potakesis bingo cards, there's your Deuteronomy 6 reference for today's, You're uh, today's yes, card. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we were just yeah. doing corners, too, for the, mm-hmm. the cards. Yep. You're just doing corners. So um, go ahead and call bingo if you need to. All right. <laughs> uh, last paragraph? All right. Bring us home, Alan. Last, last paragraph. 108, John and Charles Wesley pointed us to the tradition and contributed to it. The Wesley brothers considered the early church to be the purest expression of faithfulness to the revelation of God. They tested the faithfulness of all other periods and expressions of the Christian faith by the early church. They did this because they saw the early church as best embodying the ideals of the visible church made possible by the Spirit. Wesley saw echoes of this purity throughout church history, highlighting the work of the Reformers and their attempt to return to that purity, particularly the Reformers of the English Church, the compilation of the Book of Common Prayer, and the work of Anglican theologians in the 17th century. The key for the faithful today, however, is not simply to emulate Wesley. He saw these errors as faithfully faithfully pointing to Christ, and so he embraced them. Likewise, this is why we embrace Wesley. He is not the point, nor would he want to be. He points to Christ. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, and I totally agree. I mean, again, after doing that, after after doing a study on Acts, the uh, first half of Acts, um, it has convicted me how much the church today um, does not look like the church, uh, the early church. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about... Um, uh, modernity versus whatever we're just it's just their reliance on the holy spirit their knowledge of the scriptures um uh, for them the old testament um the fellowship the unity um living out the gifts of the spirit on and on and on and on the willingness to go the willingness to make disciples planting churches just so much um um of what i see in, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in specifically the Western church mm-hmm. does not resemble the early church. And so, um, it's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I, um, I'm a Wesleyan is because I think within this tradition, there's, uh, such a wide view of history and tradition itself, like, um, of the big, like there's the, there's imp- emphasis on the ancient the primitive church, the ancient church. There's emphasis on the Reformation, on the medieval. There's emphasis on the the mystics, and there's emphasis on the monastics and and the Anglicans. Like Wesley, the Wesleyanism, and Wesley Wesley himself was such a student of the the church, uh, capital C, um, that um, that that's one of the reasons I love being a part of this uh, theological tradition. Yeah, so I mean, to be a Wesleyan, you have to go back to Wesley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're already pushing yourself, you know, three hundred um, years, hundreds, yeah. three hundred years back. 
Well, then if you really study Wesley, then just as this paragraph stated, he looked to the early church. That's so, right. Um, so you, you have to, um, to be a true Wesleyan, you have to look at the whole scope of, of, yeah. of church tradition. Um, yeah. And so um, it gets you off of yourself and onto yeah. um, the great big wide river that is tradition. That's right. Damn. Boom. Sign yeah, off. That's really We're good. Gone. Bye. Really see ya. It's really good. nice. Except, except I, have to, I have to throw a little extra thought in there. Um, <laughs> okay, Jim, practical fine. That's fine. Let's get fine. a practical that's thought right. for people people in ministry, even laity, who are working uh, or expending effort to try to help people know Jesus. You ever yeah. feel that pressure to, to, to captivate the people in front of you? Uh, to package and I know we're getting ready to write Christmas Eve sermons and boy oh boy it's just going to be like oh this feels like the World Series I've got a bad a thousand and I think it might be Shane Bishop on the internet uh, I don't he's from somewhere um, he just keeps talking about don't don't try to be too creative just tell the story mm-hmm. um, I think the three of us have found uh, and others may have found too um, that people are so thirsty just so thirsty for Jesus that if you can, you'll never run out of things to serve the people if you're swimming in the river, if you are digging into to, to the tradition, not just history, but to the tradition of our faith. Um, people are enlivened and, and jazzed by it. I mean, I don't think that there's a slick video I could produce that would get people more excited last Sunday than they were about engaging in the spiritual disciplines that were defined and handed down to us from our first sisters and brothers right. in the Lord. Right. And that's doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. To my modern ears, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and we've discovered that through the course of engaging and building this potechesis community yeah. is if we just stare at the Lord through and look at what has been handed to us, that we fall more in love with God than if we were to, uh, find a new slick website or a new book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I concur and really have nothing else to add to that except an amen and an amen, because that's, that's mm. absolutely true. And, you know, I will, I mean, I'll attest to that to myself of, you know, you do feel the pressure on Easter or on Christmas Eve, because that's when the crowds are going to be there, right? So Ooh. when the crowds are going to be there who probably don't know the story of Jesus that well, maybe it's not the slick thing. Maybe it's just, Tell them about the one they don't know so that they will know him. Just tell them the story. Read the story. And, uh, you know, that, that God's word is powerful. If you read Acts, that's one of the most beautiful things in Acts. A couple of times in Acts, I think in Acts like 6 and Acts 12, it says that the word of God moved. The word of God yeah, has— the word of God moved. Yeah, the word of God moved. The word will do what the word needs to do. Like, Jesus will do what Jesus does. Um, we don't have to manipulate that. And so—and that's what's happened through 2,000 years of Christian tradition. Jesus has just done what Jesus always does. Um, and we, as the bride of Christ, need to just re- recognize it's not about the slick thing. It's just about being obedient. And, um, yeah, so that's good stuff. All right, gentlemen. Uh, what a hey! This has been fun. Way too long between the last episode and this episode. Hey, we should, well, we should probably do this, this again. Episode way too long. No, this episode's great. We, we should, should do probably this do again. this again. I think so. What do y'all What do y'all think about next June? <laughs> <laughs> Pay no hey, attention to Jim Morrow I mean, and his and his humor. Hey, by does. the way, 
That brings us to the end of section three in the TFOD. We've only got 50 more sections to go, so that's uh, that's good to know. I'm kidding, by the way. Um, we're over. Well, we're, we're approaching the two-thirds mark through with y'all, so you'll have a great resource um, to go along with this. I think we've officially spent more time on the TFOD than the people who wrote it did. <laughs> That's that's absolutely that's absolutely true. Um, all right. Well, uh, why don't we just go ahead and sign off here? So um, I'll put links, uh, of course, to the TFOD in our show notes. Um, and uh, just a reminder that the Podakesis Podcast, that's us, is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for mission. Uh, for more information, check out resources on spiritandtruth.life. By the way, the Spirit Truth uh, uh, people will have a, a conference. In fact, they have three conferences coming up. Instead of doing one conference, they are kind of splitting up throughout the country and doing three. There's one in Mobile, Alabama, one in Texas, and Conrad, Texas, and then one in Dayton, Ohio. You can find out all about the uh, Spirit and Truth conferences when they are, um, if they're ones close to you and the speakers that will be at all those at spiritintruth.life and hope to see you um, I think we're planning on going to one maybe the one in Dayton we hope to see you there um, leave a voicemail uh, 404-635-6679 uh, be sure to leave a five star rating on iTunes and also leave a review and uh, that's uh, that's really it share us with your friends and your family and until next time happy holidays to y'all uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you later. Bye.